وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ولقد ذرأنا لجهنم كثيرا من الجن والإنس لهم قلوب لا يفقهون بها ولهم أعجن لا يبصرون بها ولهم آذان لا يسمعون بها أولئك كالأنعام بل هم أضل أولئك هم الفاسقون وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم الطهور شكر الإيمان والحمد لله تملأ الميزان سبحان الله والحمد لله تملأان أو قال تملأ ما بين السماوات والأرض والصلاة نور والصدقة برهان والصبر ضياء والقرآن حجة لك أو عليك كل الناس يغدو فبائع نفسه فمعتقها أو موبقها أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم Most respected one of my kiram, brothers and elders. <coughs> In this Hadith Sharif, it was recited, Allah's Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says that, shatrul iman. That purity is half of iman. And then Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says further, Alhamdulillahi tamla'ul mizan That saying Alhamdulillah once This will fill the scales with rewards On the day of Qiyamah The scale of good deeds will get filled with rewards With one Alhamdulillah And if a person says Subhanallah walhamdulillah Then what can you expect If Alhamdulillah alone will fill the scales of good deeds Then Subhanallah walhamdulillah this will fill the entire space between the earth and the heavens with the rewards that it will bring. And then further Nabi gives us the effects of other a'mal. This is nur. It's the great light. Sadaqa. This will be a great evidence in favor of a person. And was sabru diyaun. Sabr, person adopted sabr and patience in the world. This will be a means of light for him on the day of Qiyamah. And then further, wal Quran hujjatun laka alayk. The Quran will either be an evidence in a person's favor or against him. The Quran Sharif will either come and bear testimony in somebody's favor or it will be a testimony against somebody. And finally, Nabi Salaam says that every morning, every person that sets out in the morning, either he will set his soul free from Jahannam, or he will destroy it. Now the thing to ponder on is, that at the beginning, we are given the virtue of one Subhanallah, one Alhamdulillah. One time the person decides Alhamdulillah, it will fill the scales of good deeds. 
So if a person says that I recite Alhamdulillah 33 times every morning after Fajr namaz, and 33 times again after Asr namaz, and if somebody is punctual with Tasbih Fatimi, which is a very great practice, something which Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam taught himself, and Hazrat Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha requested a servant. So Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, in place, he's giving to who? To the Queen of Jannat. And when she requested the servant also, after Ali radiallahu sends her, when he sees that her hands are filled with blisters due to grinding the flour, that her neck is all marked with the water bag due to carrying the water from the well, her clothes are getting completely dust covered, it's getting blackened with the smoke due to sitting close to the fire and cooking. Then he says, now there's some slaves that have come to request one. And now that queen of Jannat has come to her own father, who has the authority to give her that servant and slave. So in this context, we go to understand what this gift is all about. One is to just say, well, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam taught this, but when was this gift given? And to who it was given? And what was the background in which it was given? This was the background. And the queen of Jannat is asking, and asking from who her own father, which father won't feel for his daughter and want to have all these difficulties lightened. And that father and that daughter, that relationship that Nabi Wasallam, that love and affection that he had for his daughter, which is spelt out in the ahadith. But yet Nabi Wasallam says to her that this tasbih I am giving you, 33 times subhanallah, 33 times alhamdulillah, and 34 times Allahu Akbar before you go to bed. This is better for you than a khadim, than a servant. And the queen of Jannat responds, Raditu anillahi wa rasulihi, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I am happy with Allah and His Rasul, this is better for me. So somebody says that I am practicing on this also. As Ali radiallahu ta'ala, once somebody he was explaining this to them, this virtue and this fazilat. And then he said that ever since Nabi Islam taught us this, there hasn't been one day in my life, one night that I missed this out. So somebody asked him that certain battle when you were the commander-in-chief, that night when you slept for a short while and took a small rest, in the middle of all, whatever was carrying on, in the middle of war, he said, no, even in that time, I didn't forget. Even in that condition too, I did not forget but I completed this tasbih on that day too. So somebody says, I'm making this tasbih morning and evening, plus at night, because I don't want to miss out on the virtue of this tasbih Fatimi. And the mashayikh, the muhaddisin state, that this was given in lieu of a servant. What is this? What is included in this is, besides the spiritual strength that comes from tasbih, this particular tasbih brings physical strength also. Person who is punctual on this, the next morning will have the physical energy to complete his tasks. Because this was given by Nabi Wasallam in lieu of a servant. So in any case, we were saying that if somebody says, I am making this tasbih morning after Fajr, after Asr, then again I am punctual with it at night also. So here in this hadith sharif, one subhanallah will fill the scales of good deeds. Well, alhamdulillah will fill the scales of good deeds. 
And subhanallah, walhamdulillah, will fill the space between the heavens and the earth. So if I am doing this much too, what I got to fear then? My work is done from when I'm 10 years now, 20 years I'm reciting this tasbihat. So everything is done. But the thing to understand is, that this is linked to the first part. That purity, taharat and purity is half of iman. One is the external purity. This is essential. Without the external purity, if a person doesn't have wudu, or he's in a need of a ghusl, then he can't even make salah. He can't recite the Quran Sharif if he's in need of ghusl. He cannot make tawaf of the Kaaba Sharif. He cannot even enter the Haram Sharif. He cannot come into the masjid in a state of janabat. So that is essential. That is an integral part of a mu'min's life. And how essential this is, how linked to iman this is. Just one incident which will give us some indication. The Tanvi writes this incident. So a person of that authenticity would not say something without having verified the details. He says in Makkah Mukarrama, there was one janaza. And when people, when they dug up the grave, when they dug the grave to bury the person, so they knew that this grave, like the normal system, that after so many years, the grave is dug up, reused, recycled, as they call it. So they knew who was buried here. So they dug up the grave. But they found when they dug up the grave, to their amazement, that number one, the body was intact, but the body was of a woman who was an European, a European woman. They were absolutely amazed. We know who was buried here. What has happened here? Allah Ta'ala sometimes makes these things happen. Who knew and who didn't know somehow everything, the puzzle just fits in. This is all the nizam of Allah Ta'ala. So that today we could be sitting in the house of Allah Ta'ala also and taking ibrad. So sometimes we wonder about how it happened now that one person who knew about this, somehow he happened to be there. Not somehow, Allah Ta'ala made it happen. So that others will take an ibrad. One alim who was there from France, somehow when the message got around, he happened to be close by, he came, and he recognized that this is a woman who had accepted Islam in France. So how the puzzle got solved, that where is this person from? And he said that she passed away some time ago, and she was buried in France. She passed away some time ago. She was buried in France. What is her body doing here? But that's still half the puzzle. And where is the person that was buried here who was apparently a learned person? He was buried here. Where is his body? So the natural thing would be that if her body is lying here, then must check the grave in France. And to their amazement, when they opened the grave in France, the remains of some sort which indicated that that was the body of the person who was buried in Makkah, Mukarramah was there. This was an extremely amazing thing. So they finally now, somebody started wanting to get to the bottom of this. So eventually they inquired from the wife of this person who was buried there. And whose body somehow was moved over with the hukam of Allah Ta'ala. What was, there's some, something behind this. 
She said, but do I know? How can I say? Said, but there was one thing that used to always cause some fear in me about a statement he used to make. What happened? What statement? So whenever he was in a need of a ghusl, then he would say that the Christians are okay in this regard. They don't have any ghusl for janabat. He would still take the ghusl, but he would make the statement. The Christians are okay in this regard. They don't have to worry about taking a bath and so on. That statement derided and degraded the aspect of taharat, which is such a fundamental part of deen. As a result, Allah knows best what was the effect of it on iman. Because when deriding any aspect of deen, this takes a person out of the pale of iman. One is a person doesn't do something, that's one thing. But when he trivializes some aspect of deen, that becomes an, a, a thing that will negate a person's iman. So in any case, we were talking about that that purity is half of iman. One is the external purity and the purity from hadas and janabad. The person needs to make wuzu, he will take wuzu. If he requires a bath, he has to take a bath. This is a part of our iman and deen. But if this is the level of importance in terms of external purity, so what is the level of importance of internal purity? And this that is being explained in this Hadith Sharif, At-Tuhuru Shatrul Iman, that purity is half of Iman. And thereafter, Walhamdulillahi Tamla Ul Mizan, this Alhamdulillah will fill the scales of good deeds. One Alhamdulillah will fill the scales of good deeds. When? When together with the external purity, a person has attained internal purity. And with that purified heart, he now says, Alhamdulillah. Then that one Alhamdulillah will fill the scales of good deeds on the day of Qiyamah. Like it comes in the Hadith Sharif, that a person on the day of Qiyamah will be brought, and he would have 99 registers of evil deeds, registers to the extent that the eye can see, one register. 99 such registers of evil deeds placed on his scales of evil deeds. And now there's nothing on this side. And then Allah Ta'ala will say that today you will not be, no zulm will be committed, no oppression will be committed upon you. One piece of paper will be brought. So when the piece of paper is being brought, this person will say, but Ya Allah, 99 registers of evil deeds and sins, and this one paper, what difference is going to make to me? He says, today we won't commit any oppression and zulm. That one piece of paper will be put on the scale of good deeds, and it will outweigh the 99 registers of evil deeds. And that one piece of paper will contain that kalima that he recited, La ilaha illallah, now outwardly it seems that then it means no mu'min will ever go into Jahannam. Because everybody has recited the kalima. But the muhaddisin explained that this is a special situation. Where on some occasion this person recited the kalima with that fervor, with that ikhlas, with that very deep sincerity, such depth in that sincerity was there, that that sincerity outweighed this 99 registers. So likewise, this Alhamdulillah that will fill the scales of good deeds on the day of Qiyamah is that Alhamdulillah that emanates from the heart which has been purified. The heart that has been purified from what? 
One is purified from shirk, from kufr. Obviously, that goes without saying. The heart that has been purified from all the evils, various evils, evil of malice. Now, what a terrible thing this is. How it uh, brings that filth in the heart that it totally makes it impure. Now, this heart has been cleaned of malice. This heart has been cleaned of jealousy. This heart has been cleaned of pride. All these are major cancers of the heart, of the spiritual heart. A person who has pride to the extent of a mustard seed, la yadkhulul jannah, he cannot enter jannah. Now if the heart has this pride, so that alhamdulillah that comes out of this heart won't have that effect. It's still alhamdulillah. It still have some effect. But what we are being taught here is at-tuhuru shatrul iman, to purify the heart. All the effort, the focus is all on the external self. The cosmetic industry has become one of the biggest industries in the world. For what? For beautifying the outside. For adorning the external self. Everybody has to have some kind of cosmetic of some sort. It was regarded as a woman thing. Now it's everything is universal. The dividing lines are no more there. So even there's now many places people told me these are things cropping up. They are beauty parlors for men. Subhanallah. Beauty parlors for men. So this has become the extent of self-adornment of the external self. But Allah Ta'ala looks at the heart. إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَنْظُرُ إِلَىٰ أَجْسَامِكُمْ وَلَا إِلَىٰ سُوَرِكُمْ وَلَاكِنْ يَنْظُرُ إِلَىٰ قُلُوبِكُمْ وَأَعْمَالِكُمْ Allah Ta'ala doesn't look at what is a person's physical strength, how strong somebody is physically, or how weak he is, or what is a person's complexion, or what is his nationality, or all these things Allah Ta'ala doesn't look at. Allah Ta'ala looks at وَلَاكِنْ يَنْظُرُ إِلَىٰ قُلُوبِكُمْ وَأَعْمَالِكُمْ What is a person's heart? How clean and pure is that heart? Does he have sincerity in that heart? Does he have the love for every mu'min in that heart? This is a part of the dictates of Iman. That in the hadith, Nabi Sallallahu has given such great virtues for this. That لا يؤمن أحدكم حتى يحب لأخيه ما يحب لنفسه A person doesn't have Iman until he loves for his brother what he loves for himself. So now he'll deal with his brother how he will want to be dealt with. How he will want to be dealt with, how others must treat him how others must deal with him, he'll deal with his brother like that. If he is, for example, starting up some business venture, he'll want others to support him, others to be happy for him. Nobody must do something that will harm it. So now somebody else is starting a business venture, he will want the same for that person too. He'll want that barakat for him also. He'll make dua, nobody else must harm his business. Nobody else must cause any difficulty to him. Now that comes from the purity of the heart. So the external purity, the external cleanliness is very important. But more important than that is this internal purity. That the heart is now purified. Of malice, of greed, of all the evils. Now, unfortunately, we presently, the dunya in general... 
we want to keep everything clean. To the extent that even the toilet will be shining. But what has been made a toilet is the heart. That the filth of the entire society, the filth of the entire world's media, whatever filth is being spewed out in some distant corner of the world also, but our heart will become the toilet for it to be flushed into. Via the cell phone, via the internet, via whatever. Whereas that Alhamdulillah that we are talking about, it will fill the scales of good deeds on the day of Qiyamah. One Alhamdulillah. It's that Alhamdulillah that emanates from that heart which has been purified. But unfortunately, everything else is brought and flushed into this heart. And this starts becoming an addiction. It creates that lack of any kind of shame, any kind of haya, everything is gone. To the extent that from time to time, such emails will come, such kind of calls will come. Somebody will say, some wife will write, that now my husband is even watching the filth in my presence also. One is I always suspected that this was carrying on for a while. Now he's not even bothered, he's doing it in my presence. And the day I try to say anything or do anything, you tell anybody, I'll divorce you. You tell anybody, I'll divorce you. Now the poor woman has got two, three children. She doesn't have any, maybe sometimes she can't go back to anybody. So now what does she do? But where is this? That the whole world's filth, our hearts have become the toilet for it. Anybody wants to flush the chain anyway, it will flush through our hearts. So this has become a serious pandemic. And this is a result why our a'mal are totally lifeless. Because the eyes have become so engrossed in looking at haram, as a result of which the heart is totally polluted. And with the polluted heart, the person is making sajda upon sajda. He is hanging onto the ghilaf of the Kaaba Sharif also. He is standing at multazam. But the heart hasn't been cleaned still. The heart hasn't been purified. There are instances where in the masjid, somebody is sitting sometime right at the back, Juma, the Imam Sahib is giving his bayan or whatever. The khutbah is taking place and some young person is busy with looking at some haram in the masjid. So because the importance of the purity of the heart has left our heart. If some one little dust gets onto our clothing also that irritates us, makes us restless, I need to clean this off. And the heart. So we need to start polishing this heart, cleaning this heart. So the first thing is obviously we'll have to stay away from those things that pollute the heart. If a person keeps polishing and keeps throwing dirt at the same time, that is not going to take us anywhere. So on the one hand, we have to stop flushing everybody else's chain into our heart. But then together with that, there are certain things to start becoming very conscious of, start practicing on, so that it polishes this heart. It brings his heart closer to Allah Taala. It fills his heart with the ma'rifat of Allah Taala. There are many, many things. Just to discuss one or two things. One aspect is, in the Quran Sharif, Allah Taala speaks very greatly of those who ponder over the creation of Allah Taala. Inna fi khalqis samawati wal-audi wa ikhtilaf al-layli wal-nahar. 
la ayatin liulil albab that in the creation of the heavens and the earth and in the alternating of the night and day are signs for those who are intelligent who are these people every person wants to be intelligent allah ta'ala is speaking about who's intelligent alladhina yadhkuruna allaha qiyaman wa qu'udan wa ala junubihim who remember allah ta'ala in every posture wa yatafakkaruna fi khalqis samawati wal ard and they ponder over the creation of the heavens and earth and this needs to become a part of our system that we sit and ponder over the creation of allah ta'ala unfortunately our minds are so engrossed in everything else we don't get time to think about what allah ta'ala has created around us in us as mufti shafi sahab rahmatullah writes let alone a mu'min even when a kafir has truly pondered it opened his heart out when a kafir truly ponders over the creation of allah ta'ala it opens his heart out for iman what then will be the effect of that heart which already has iman alhamdulillah which truly ponders on the creation of allah tabarak wa ta'ala in the correct way al mufti shafi sahab rahmatullah writes under the ayat or somewhere else he mentioned that in the quran sharif in surah qiyama allah ta'ala says that ayahsabu allan najma'a idama bala qadirina ala an nusawwiya banana that does the disbeliever think that allan najma'a idama on the day of qiyamah when we will resurrect everybody that he would have become dust we won't be put, able to put his bones together and bring him back to life that they say no but all those bones will already be all dust so how are we going to be resurrected they are astonished at this they regard it as a total impossibility and they mock it how can we be resurrected everything is gone to dust allah taala says forget how we going to resurrect you and what we will not just resurrect you bala qadirina ala an nusawwiya banana we will even we are we have the power and qudrat that we will even restore your fingerprint now when is this being said the quran is being revealed at the time when the world didn't know yet that the billions of people that will come in the world and billions upon billions and no two people's fingerprint will be the same and allah tbaraka wa taala is giving and one scientist read this ayat and pondered over it and accepted iman over it abu shafi sahab rahmatullah alayhi mentions this that when he pondered that subhanallah in this little space and in this little space also that kind of print which is not easily visible to money is that in that visible in that little space you give somebody that much of space give him 10 times the amount of space give him a whole meter by a meter and tell him you keep doing prints but no two prints must be the same how long how many he will do but this size of space and then look at two people's fingers together side by side you can't see any difference but that allah taala says that we will restore that as well and then the world discovers and it was discovered barely some 150 200 years ago not more than that that no two people's fingerprints are the same before that the world didn't know this and there are those kind of experts now that have been trained that they say from the fingerprint we can more or less draw the sketch of a person in terms of what is the kind of face he has what is the kind of hands how long his hands will be what his height will be 
we got we can work out close not accurately but very close from looking carefully at the fingerprint we will enlarge the fingerprint and we'll be able to work out everything from there in that fingerprint allah taala has stored even the person's features allah taala has stored his height has stored the length of his hands and feet subhanallah now do we think about this ponder over this that this little fingerprint what qudrat of allah taala is being manifested in this no two people's face is the same we call sometimes identical twins but the parents know who's isa and musa they don't get mistaken everybody else sometimes might have to look twice and they might call isa musa and musa isa whatever the case is but the parents others who live with them all the time they make it out who's who they can they can immediately tell so no two people's face is the same no two people's temperament is exactly the same and in this way we can keep pondering over what allah taala has created subhanallah the qudrat of allah tbarak wa taala now when a person ponders over the qudrat of allah taala allah taala is inviting us towards this awalam yanzuru fi malakuti samawati wal ard wa ma khalaqa allah min shay'in yatafayyu dhilaluhu 'anil yamin wal shama'il sujjadan lillah wa hum dakhirun allah taala is inviting don't do they look this don't do they ponder over this afala yanzuruna ila al ibli kayfa khuliqat wa ila al samai kayfa rufi'at وإلى الجبال كيف نصبت وإلى الأرض كيف سطحت don't they see the camel how he created it all the ajeeb things in the camel and the sky the mountains how the earth we spread it how we kept the sky aloft without any pillars these are just some things there are countless things around us but to ponder over the creation of Allah Taala in a way that brings the ma'rifat of Allah Taala subhanallah what qudrat Allah Taala is manifesting in this So when we will start engaging our heart in this our heart will get disengaged from the haram. Presently the heart is stuck in the haram. As a result of what our eyes have seen, what our ears are listening to all the time. So the heart is in that mud stuck in there. But when the heart will get engaged in this thinking of this nature, pondering on the creation of Allah tbaraka wa taala, on the makhluk of Allah taala in that manner which brings a person to Allah taala. then this heart will get disengaged from all the haram then this will purify that heart that alhamdulillah will then come that alhamdulillah will fill the scales that alhamdulillah and subhanallah will fill the space between the heavens and the earth and the salah of that person was salatu nurun the salah of that person will become nur was sadaqatu burhanun the sadaqa and the charity of that person will become an evidence for him on the day of qiyamah was sabru diyaun that sabr that person made in refraining from haram will enlighten his heart in this dunya and will lighten up his grave and the akhirat as well for him so this is the first thing to disengage the heart from that haram and enlighten the heart polish the heart bring that heart closer to allah tbaraka wa taala so one aspect is this pondering over the creation of allah taala another aspect is dua now our dua unfortunately is that we generally we rattle some things off after namaz at some other time we raise our hand we'll say some things which we didn't even realize what we said because our mind was somewhere else and then we 
Slap ourselves and go away. So that dua is not going to take us closer to Allah Ta'ala. The dua which is a communication between the servant and his Rabb. The dua which is asking from Allah Ta'ala. And this dua is a duau mukhul ibadah. It is the essence of ibadat. Can we imagine there's so many ibadat? Namaz is ibadat. Zakat is ibadat. Fasting is ibadat. Hajj is ibadat. Tilawat of the Quran Sharif is ibadat. Zikr and tasbih is ibadat. So many ibadat. But Nabi Islam says, Addu'a'u mukhul ibadah. The dua is the essence of it. One is the milk. All different qualities and types of and milk. But then from the milk you'll get the cream. Dua is that essence, it's a scream. And this dua polishes the heart. When it is done correctly. Dua, everything you'll find, dua is a very integral part of it. Salah, the most fundamental pillar of deen after iman. And the salah commences with Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. After takbir tahrima the first farz, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Surah Fatiha. What is Surah Al-Fatiha? From beginning to end it is dua. And in there is that most important dua that we have to ask, Ihdina Sirat al Mustaqim. We don't ask this dua that namaz won't be, won't be made. That's how important this dua is. So namaz, the integral part of it is dua. Before the namaz finishes off before salam, again dua. Starts off with dua and finishes off with dua. Fasting, what a great ibadat. In the hadith, Nabi Islam says that Allah Ta'ala says, that fasting is for me, I myself am the reward. But what is the, while the main thing is the fast itself, but what is the cherry on the top as they call it? That at the time of iftar, the fasting person's dua is now accepted. He fasted the whole day, he's been given a special gift now. What's your special gift? Your dua is going to be accepted now. At the time of iftar, ask. Person goes for hajj, what an ibadat. He returns from Hajj, if he performed it correctly, like the day he was born without sin. But Hajj is what? It is Tawaf, filled with Dua. Sa'i, on Safa, Marwa, filled with Dua. Lengthy periods of time, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam would stand and make Dua. And the walking in between, also filled with Dua. Then it is Mina, filled with Dua. Look in the a hadith of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam regarding how he performed his hajj. Then Arafat is Arafat, subhanallah. Being present there is the farz. But approximately the ulama have calculated more than five hours Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam spent in dua in Arafat. Zuhar and Asar were performed in the time of Zuhar. And then from that time up to sunset Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam engaged in dua. So this is filled with dua. And then Muzdalifa again dua. Every way is dua. And Allah Ta'ala Himself says, Ud'uni astajib lakum. Call unto me, I will answer your dua. But we complain, we don't ask Allah Ta'ala. We complain of every problem to everybody. But where we can put the problem presented and get the solution from, we don't ask Allah Ta'ala. If only the amount of time we spent complaining, we spent that time in dua, then we would have gone far ahead. Even the time that we spend scheming and planning wrong things because we want to sort something out. Maybe the business, there was some problem now, so we're now scheming and planning something which are not correct. 
to try and make it come right. It cannot come right like that. It's just a deception that will come right like that. It'll get worse. But if you spend that time in that wrong scheming and planning, one is something that is within the limits of Shariat and Deen by all means. It's normal, within the normal limits, within reasonable limits. But that wrong scheming and planning, that time we dedicated to dua, that would have taken us way ahead. And together with that, one is the formal dua. That a person sits down, facing the qibla, raises his hands. All this will add to the effectiveness of that dua. But over and above that, dua at all times, whenever we can, directly from the heart, talking to Allah Ta'ala. A person is going to work, in the morning, now one is he's listening to the news. That what happened and what didn't happen. And one is he's engaging himself in dua. He perhaps, maybe if he's traveling with so many people, or he's driving himself, he obviously he can't raise his hands while he's driving. Because everybody is not Sahib Karamat. So he has to keep his hands on the wheel. So now he is driving, so obviously he can't even raise his hands. He can't stand there or sit there in the car and be facing the Qibla because he's going to go in a different direction. But his heart can be engaged in dua. Now he's talking to Allah Ta'ala. Ya Allah, make my day go well. Ya Allah, make this day a means of khair and barakat for me. Ya Allah, protect me from every kind of fitna and fasad. I'm going in an environment which is very, very difficult. I go to work in this mall. I go to work in this place and that place. And all the fitna and fasad is all combined in here. It is all filled up here. Ya Allah, only you can protect me. I'm begging your forgiveness and your protection. Uh, he is on his way to work, but his heart is engaged in dua. And that dua is shining his heart. It's polishing his heart. This is the essence of ibadat that he's engaged in. He is engaged in his work, but he's keeping his heart every now and again occupied in dua. That customer came, he's not worried about how to try and that the customer is not putting his hand in his pocket, how he can make him put his hand in his pocket. That hand will go in the pocket if Allah Ta'ala wants it to go. So he's turning his heart in dua, Ya Allah, if you make him buy, he'll buy. Whatever is khair and barakat, grant me that. Give him barakat in his purchase and give me barakat in it also. You made dua for him and yourself. The person is coming home after the work. Now normally a person is coming home. So now, what is his mind engaged in? I just hope today is not like yesterday. If today also is like yesterday, then if that food is, instead of putting one teaspoon by mistake, put one tablespoon of salt inside, then I, today I'm going to now show my true colors. And whatever else. Now that mind is all engaged in all the negative. We're already preparing ourselves to make the whole situation negative. And at that time, if we turned our heart to dua, Ya Allah, you make everything good for me. When I go home, let it be such that I enter a home that is pleasant. I enter a home where I am welcomed. That is a ni'mat from Allah Ta'ala. Ya Allah, make it such that I come back in a home where there is your rahmat descending down. Now that dua is brightening the heart, it's enlightening the heart. And he's getting closer to Allah Ta'ala. He's linking himself to Allah Ta'ala in every moment of dua. He's trying to fall asleep. Instead of thinking of the whole world and wishing that I hope this doesn't happen and I hope that nobody breaks into the shop. Now nobody inshallah will break in. But half his sleep went away thinking I hope nobody does it. Whereas what he's going to 
by merely sitting and hoping that it doesn't happen, it's not going to change anything. But what will change it is making dua. Ya Allah, you are the safeguarder and protector. Ya Allah, I'm handing it in your protection. Now on the one hand, he got the protection also. The other is he was engaged in the essence of ibadat. And now his sleep won't disappear as a result of the worry. He'll have a peaceful sleep because it's in Allah Ta'ala's care now. So dua will polish the heart. On top of that, it will bring all these benefits. Then he's got malice for somebody in his heart. Make dua for the person. Take his name and make dua. And repeatedly make dua. And see how the heart gets purified of the malice. He has some jealousy over somebody. Make dua for the person that Allah Ta'ala must increase his ni'mat. His business is booming. Allah Ta'ala must make it boom double. It was booming, it must start rocketing also. Now when he's making dua for the person's ni'mats to increase, where can the jealousy remain? Because the jealousy requires that he wishes that the person's ni'mat is snatched away from him. Now he's making dua for the person's ni'mat to be increased. Where now that jealousy can remain? Now the heart that, Alhamdulillah, tamla ul mizan, he wants his one Alhamdulillah to fill the scales of good deeds. He wants his subhanallah and alhamdulillah to fill the space between the earth and the heavens. He wants his salah to be nur, his sadaqah to be testimony on his behalf, his sabr to be light. Then if he wants it, it starts off with the purifying of the heart. Now with this pure purified heart, that the malice is gone. By the pondering of, over the makhluk of Allah wa ta'ala, the ma'rifat came. By this dua, he purified the heart with the zikr, with the tilawat, with the tasbihat. With the other righteous actions, he purified the heart. Now with the purified heart, he sings subhanallah. Now that subhanallah is something else. Now that alhamdulillah is something else. Now that salah will become something else. And all his other ibadat and amal. After all, the sahaba kiram in the hadith, Nabi Salaam says, that law anfaqa ahadukum mithla uhudin zahaban. That if one of you, meaning after the sahaba kiram because Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, subbu ashabi. Don't ever revile my Sahaba. Don't ever revile any of my Sahaba. That is, unfortunately, as we get closer to Qiyamah, all these various fitnas raise their heads. And you'll find people now reviling the Sahaba openly. This is a prescription of writing off one's Iman. This is a prescription of writing of one's iman. So Nabi Salaam says, don't revile my sahaba. And then further Nabi Salaam says, if one of you after the sahaba spend the equivalent of a mountain of gold in gold, in sadaqah, so much of gold equivalent to one mountain, who can even earn that much of gold? But he spends it in the whole, the whole mountain of gold spends it in sadaqah, he can't achieve the amount of reward a sahabi will get in spending one handful of grain. A sahabi spends one handful of grain, or one less than that also, the reward he will get, we will spend a mountain of gold, we can't get it. What is the difference? Why? The difference is the heart. That what heart they had, with that heart that they spent, our heart can't come anywhere close to it. The whole issue is the heart, the purity of the heart, the rectifying of the heart, and with this rectified heart, then we will have, this dunya will become jannat also for us, and the jannat of the akhirat will get as well. 
So the main thing is that we have to start becoming conscious of what this heart is all about. What is in the heart? And what has to be done to clean the heart? And to now remove ourselves from all these things that are making the heart the entire world's flushing system. Whoever pulls the chain anyway is flushing through our heart. And this is destroying our amal, is destroying our, destroying our iman, it's destroying families, it's destroying relationships, it's destroying anything and everything. An amount of havoc it is causing in this time and age, perhaps anything else is causing that much of havoc. <coughs> so this is a very simple message Nabi Islam is giving us, that we want to bring this weight in our amal, we have to bring this cleanliness in our hearts. The external purity is also fundamental, but together with that, this internal purity is what is required of us. With this internal purity, the ma'rifat of Allah Ta'ala will also come, and this heart will become close to Allah Ta'ala, and all our a'mal also will gain that great weight and acceptance in the sight of Allah Ta'ala. May Allah Ta'ala give me and all of us a tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.